Hello, Spanish lovers. Welcome to Spanish We Do. As you know, maybe, a show about all things and everything that can be done in Spanish. For example, playing the piano in Spanish. Yeah, I know that sounds odd, but it comes from a classified ad I came across. And it goes like this. Listen, the interesting part is the last sentence. Musician wanted. Avondale Lutheran Church is looking for a pianist for Sunday morning worship services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Must know how to play the piano in Spanish. That's what it says. I know, it sounds pretty funny initially, or at least puzzling. There is an answer to it. Someone wrote, well, I mostly play in Canadian, but I can get by in Spanish. So, as I said, it sounds odd or at least funny, but there came an idea to me, or a possible explanation, and it is that the name of the musical notes are different in Spanish and English, while in English you would have C, D, E, etc., F, G, A, B. In Spanish you have Do, Re, Mi, Fa, etc., so C corresponds to Do. D is re, E is me. And maybe you've heard already in my voice some kind of hesitation there. That might create a complication and, well, the possible explanation is maybe that in the church, the person who is uh, directing the situation knows Spanish, would say the chords in Spanish or the other way around, and a musician not used to that may have a complication. Well, anyway... This is going to be a special episode with musicians who play their instruments in Spanish. It will come. It will come soon. Welcome to part two of my conversation with Alejandra Acuña, a Paraguayan. She's born, she was born in Paraguay, who's currently teaching English at the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque. She's got a dual degree in environmental sustainability and Italian As I said, she is currently teaching English at the University of New Mexico. In our first episode, we talked about the language itself, Spanish, and how it is in Paraguay uh, being the case that they have another, a second official language, Guarani, which is an indigenous language, and it is very influential in the way Spanish is spoken in, Par in Paraguay and other things. But for part two, it's a little bit more... Uh, let's say emotional, because we go into stereotypes, which I like doing, uh, talking about uh, with people from different countries. Like, for example, how are Paraguayans? How does Alejandra, as a Paraguayan, see Paraguayans? Is there a stereotype for them? We'll talk about how Brazilians see Paraguayans, how... Chileans see Venezuelans, that comes in the conversation, uh, since I'm from Venezuela and make a comment about that, about levels of energy displayed according to the culture. Also, what Argentinians think of Paraguayans, what Paraguayans think of Argentinians. And of course, that's from the account or the point of view of Alejandra, which is also an individual point of view. And we'll close the conversation with her experience about teaching Spanish. You may get some takeaways there if you are studying Spanish or are interested in it or teaching it even. We mostly talk about why her students want to learn Spanish. What's the reason behind it? 
And we close the conversation with a challenge. I throw a challenge to her and her students. So let's go. Part two of my conversation with Alejandra Acuña. Uh, we could call it stereotypes. All right, Alejandra, I want to know. Now let's go more personal or, yes. or more emotional about this. Uh, we know stereotypes exist. Stereotypes uh, are created, let's call it by natural, natural causes, not necessarily always a good thing. And, and I, uh, I always try to make this caveat about stereotypes. Stereotypes do exist. They tend to come from real reasons. But, and this is the, this is the important part, uh, it, they do not come from a generalized behavior of the person of what the stereotype is about. But what might be more, uh, what it stands out more about it. And it could be good or it could be bad. And of course, limited to whatever contact someone from the outside has to someone from whatever country you're talking about. Let's say Venezuela. Stereotype. Oh, they're very loud. Well, not all parts of Venezuela are loud. Some are. Uh, mostly close to the beach. But if you are, and it happened, I've seen it here in, in Spain. If you are in a Sara, in a store, Sara, and mm -hmm. you hear two Venezuelan individuals speaking loudly, there might be another 15 Venezuelans in that store not speaking loudly, they just speak in a different way, but these two, they stand out more, and that's how stereotypes are, well, in a very elementary way, formed. So it, what really catches your attention, because the rest that is more closer to you, you just, it goes unnoticed. So, do, do you sort of agree with that definition? Yes, yeah. Okay, so, uh, having said that, which is very important, uh, What, how do you, what do you think, what, what would you say internally Paraguayans are like, if you could define a character, a so, way of being? Hmm. In Brazil, they have the stereotype about Paraguayans uh -huh. um, that you would always see them on the beach or like at the beach with clothes on. With clothes on. Okay. Yes. Which is, I guess, um, a way to say that they're very modest or very um, shy or like not, they don't like to like show, usually they don't like to show things. So like they will, they will even like go into the water with like clothes on. That's something it's like, oh, that's. Brazilians will like say, oh, that's people from Paraguay. Would you say in any way that's true or close to the truth in any way? It's, I would say it's, I don't like stereotypes in general, but I would say it's kind of true. Like I've seen, especially after I left, I started noticing more like um, every time I go back, Um, you know, I will go to like pool parties and I, yeah, like I will see people like jumping into the pool with their t-shirts on and I'm like, wait, mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a pool party. But yeah, it's just something I guess to do with, you know, being raised to, especially women to like, 
protect our bodies, you know, like to being, um, especially if we're around men, to just like be modest and be, yeah. Um, yeah. Not showy. Would, yeah. would you say in any way that Paraguayan culture, I'll give you an example from another country. Mm -hmm. So you just tell me what you feel about it, being outside and having all that experience. I was once working with a journalist from Chile. In, mm -hmm. in, we were in Caracas. And for some reason that I don't know how the conversation got there, but he said, well, you here in, uh, in the Caribbean in particular, got this very uh, kind of like loud, happy, party-like culture. Again, a stereotype, but it belongs. It, it's justified for, for the coast in, in whatever way. And we just talked about what stereotypes are before. And he mm -hmm. said, and we got like the more subdued, modest, grayish culture. He saw it like that. So it's like uh, the level. And if we go maybe more objective there, like the level of energy that would be considered normal to be displayed was higher in Venezuela. That's how he saw it. And lower in Chile talking about intensity not mm -hmm. not anything else how how would you place Paraguay in 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 that continuum if there's I would say like somewhere in the middle like people definitely do like to party but I would not say that it's you know to the intensity that I've seen again stereotypes yes yes For people sure. of like the Caribbean or like um yeah so like I would say yeah somewhere in the middle um between like low you know energy and like very very high energy so well yeah. that makes sense you're right in the middle of South America yeah, so again. that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely geographically correct Makes sense. And what, what about in terms of expressing affection? Give you another example so you can compare, or maybe you already know so, some of this. Uh, we, uh, people from, yeah, well, let's say Venezuela in particular, which I have close connection to, feel that in Spain, people tend to be like very rough in the way they treat each other, mm -hmm. which again, it just is the normalcy in a place. That's, that's all it is. And but Spanish people, people in Spain, uh, since a lot of people from Venezuela tend to be very affectionate in the way they express it, like they use words like mi amor, dear, a lot, and, and that kind of thing, like very lo loving, let's say like maybe like a mother would talk to a child, it could feel like that, it could feel kind of childish from outside, but sometimes they feel like, wait, wait, wait a minute, this person is being too nice. This person is going to trick me. Are you a trickster? Are you being nice because you want something from me? Okay. How how about from that point of view, the the way you express uh, personal connection in Paraguay? I wouldn't say in like terms of words we are like that, but we are very physical, definitely. So even like with strangers when we get like first get introduced it's very normal to like greet with a hug or with two kisses that's very like very normal um also um like it's not uncommon to like see 
you know, even in public settings, um, to see couples sitting on each other's laps. Um, and yeah, things like that. Like we are very physical in that sense. Like it's very common to see um, PDA, as they say. Yeah. Public displays of affection. <laughs> yeah. And now let's go to look, look, look at it from the outside. Yeah. Oh, well, no, let's wait. Look, let's look at this is a touchy subject. Look at your neighbors. What would you say Paraguayans, not you personally, and I'm not saying it is true or not. We just, what's out there? What's floating in the air? What would you say Paraguayans think about Argentinians? If there is an stereotype about it. Hmm. About Argentinians. Or Bolivians or Brazilians. Huh. Like of those three, and I'm, I'm yes. going to put you on the spot, but in the sense that it's just what people say, and we know that, and we already made the uh, preemptive comment about stereotypes. Uh, of those three, Argentina, Bolivia, and Brazil, which is the neighbor not so much liked? Argentina, definitely. <laughs> where that? Where does that come from, you would say? I don't know specifically um, where does like, it come from originally, but it's um, it definitely has a history for sure. Yeah. But we tend to think that um, people from Argentina are very smug and very like, How do, how do you even say this? It's like, they just think too high of themselves. They yeah. like think they are Europeans. Okay. That's like the general idea. Well, you probably heard the joke and, and um, I'm going to say it because I say it to my Argentinian friends, nine out of 10 laugh because they know it. <laughs> and yeah. it is the best deal in the world. Have you, have you heard about that one? No, from, I don't think no? so. The best deal in the world. To buy uh, an Argentinian for what it's worth and to sell it for what he says he's worth. Oh <laughs> and it's horrible. I know. But there is something. Why? Now, why? I, I have no problem saying this to Argentinians and most of them laugh. Why? Because that way of bantering, is it? Is that the word? I don't know if that's yeah, a word. So. Is common in Argentina. Like, they are very intense in their jokes uh, among each other. Yeah, they really are. Oh, my God, they really are. So that's a joke they, they can take most. <laughs> Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten, I'd say. Also, wasn't there a war, like, I don't know, end of the 18th century or something like that? Like, 1865 Paraguay was attacked like, by everyone around it? Oh, yeah, we had a... Let's say, let's put it that way. There's like bad precedent <laughs> that declared war on Brazil and Argentina at the same time. And then Uruguay jumped on it. And yeah. it was like the three of, uh, of them against us. Like, come on, dude. And, I mean, and it was right know, in the we, middle. We did not come out well. Out of <laughs> yeah. And those things carry out through time. And, and you oh, know, yeah. when I ask, people are still bringing it up like nowadays. And it's yep. like, Yo. <laughs> When I asked uh, Argentinians they, they, about the neighbors, they would say Chile, for sure. 
but it's something more recent because when they had the the Falklands, the war, Las Malvinas uh -huh. in the islands, Chile sided with the UK. Um. Well, Chile, the Chilean government at the time, Pinochet, sided with the UK. So they have that wound is very open, very yeah. open, and it is something very recent, like early 80s. So yeah, it's quite intense. All right, what about uh, your view? Or, or what you'd say, do you have any idea in Paraguay about people from Mexico? Are they in any particular way? Do they have, a, are, they, are there any stereotypes about Mexican people in Paraguay? See, our, like, because Mexico geographically, oh, I can't speak, geographically, Mexico is so far away from us that we only have this like imaginary, it's almost like a caricature that we have from Mexico. Yeah. Um, so the idea that we have from like Mexican people is what comes to us through telenovelas, through other kinds of media. Yeah. And weirdly enough, through football. So soccer is another like big way. Don't call it soccer. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's like, yeah, uh, we have, or we used to have like Paraguayan players in the Mexican league. Um, and some of them were like big at some point. I don't even know anymore. Yeah. I don't follow. But, and you know, people were like, Um, go crazy about that and that's you know the idea that we have about Mexicans but I guess we just had this general idea that like Mexicans would kind of speak like people in La Rosa de Guadalupe yeah <laughs> um, Pasión de Gavilanes We saw the Colum we got the Colombian version. They did several versions. I, I I didn't get why. But I have no idea, but we saw the Colombian one. So we got the yeah, the Colombian Pasión de Gavilanes. Yeah. Oh. I I I I was going to say I saw no, I didn't see it. I I know of the existence of the Mexican version and I don't know if it was only Mexico or Miami, I'm not sure. But I think it was Mexico, but I'm not sure. And and what about Spain? Same thing, being far away and so there's no stereotype or still the conquest and all that plays a part in in the culture of Paraguay? So Spain is kind of like a weird thing in the Paraguayan imaginary. Like there are some, you know, people that are like, oh, yes, um, Spain did so much for us and, you know, brought us civilization and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but there are people like, you know, then conquistadores, like they only brought disease and uh, bad things. <laughs> Is that also used for political reasoning campaigns and things like that or not? No, no, no. It's just like people talking. But okay. again, like, Um, it's not a subject that's like very commonly talked. So like, people don't really talk much about Spain in general. It's not something that. Um, I guess the only like 
reason why people will talk about Spain is one football, yeah, soccer. That's and then it will go all the way back to like La Conquista, yeah, <laughs> and then somehow, or you know, if there is some kind of like um, economic like agreement with you know Spain giving money to Paraguay or something. Um, but I don't think that has happened as of lately. I don't know. No, no, it, it, it makes sense. It's far away geographically and also historically. So, yeah. and also, well, just to, to, to close this part about stereotypes and all of that, I asked a couple of Argentinian friends before speaking with you about the stereotypes of Paraguay. And one of them said, well, I live like kind of in the South. We really don't know much about them. So she she felt she felt like she said, well, I don't think I've ever seen a Paraguaya in Argentina, but she lives in the south. So mm -hmm. maybe it, it makes sense. It's also geographically apart. But the other one is from Buenos Aires, from the city. And he said, oh, no, no, I've seen them. There, there are a lot here. Uh, we got the sense. And this is what she says. Some people sort of like discriminate them, but it, it you get the feeling that this is not regular people. It's people who are. They would discriminate like anyone. Uh, but she said, but we have like, we have spoken at times like they are very hardworking. They are like happy people. I, that's what she said. Like happy people and good people. So I think it's, a, it's an interesting, I, there's a lot of immigration from Paraguay to Argentina. I think it would make sense at some point or, or I don't know nowadays. Yes, there was at some point. I can't remember. I want to say it was like late 90s, like before the big economic crash of like 2001, I think. Or Also very recent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a big wave of immigration to Argentina. Um, and yeah, a lot of people went there um, and they kept going like up to like the late 2010 or like yeah I would say like even yeah 2010 people still were going it stopped around that time um because Argentina wasn't doing as well anymore yeah uh so yeah there's even like Paraguayan communities that have established especially around the great Buenos Aires area Um, it's mostly people from like rural areas that like because Asuncion Paraguay has like expanded so much that like it it can barely hold itself together if yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> so people have looked into going to other like urban areas and Buenos Aires was another like you know big urban area that can hold more people So, yeah, there is a big Paraguayan community in Buenos Aires, in the greater Buenos Aires area. Well, there you go. Um, there seems to be a good stereotype. Either good, yeah. either, or, well, or as much as you can as can believe any stereotypes. But it, it's an interesting thing, I say. And you know what? What's, I think, my biggest takeaway or more interesting takeaway from this conversation about uh, culture and stereotypes? The fact that you, Paraguay, are in the middle of South America, that you said you you speak of yourselves or refer to the country as the mm -hmm. heart of South America. And at the same time, you said that in terms of uh, energy level, 
display of energy, you are right in the middle too. Yeah. You're not like right up there, like in, in the beach, dancing salsa in the Caribbean, but you're not uh, also under the rain, wearing gray coats. <laughs> so that, that, that's very interesting. I find that very interesting. And, and I don't know, revealing. I must say, I and probably a lot of people, it, it, I don't know if it feels a little uncomfortable, don't know much about Paraguay. And probably it's got to do with the sense that, well, it's a small country in terms of population. So you go like, you get like 130 million Mexicans plus the ones in the US and all over the place. And you get, uh, what's the population of Paraguay? Around, around 7 million, maybe? Around 7 million, yeah. Yeah. So we're just out of many. statistical terms, it makes sense. Yeah, we're tiny. And not a lot of people know about us. So it's, it's okay. It's normal. It's. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know, I get a good feeling from you. Thanks so much. Yeah. Alejandra, do, do, do you have like a few more minutes or do you want to talk about the speaking, teaching Spanish or would you rather leave it for another time because we've been speaking for an hour already? Oh yeah, I definitely have a few more minutes, yeah. Okay, so let's go into that, like focus on that and, yeah. well, and then we'll get three episodes out of it. That's beautiful. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm going to start like I'm doing a new episode or even yeah. though I'll record... Okay, Alejandra, you're back again for a third time, maybe uh, throughout three weeks, but also the same day. <laughs> We're not <laughs> going to fool anyone. <laughs> so, Alejandra, you are in uh, New Mexico, in Albuquerque, at the University of New Mexico. Yes. Correct. And I am teaching. You're, uh, you're teaching Spanish. Who, who are your students and how long have you been teaching Spanish? So I started this semester, actually. This is my first time teaching Spanish um, ever, um, besides tutoring or anything that's not formal teaching. Um, and my students are first semester university, like, students. Yeah. Um, so first level Spanish one, as they say it here. Yes. Is, is that like a voluntary thing or they have to take it just because? Uh, so they, as are we, um, I think the university has a language requirement for every um, degree that they have. So in order to graduate, every student has to take a foreign language. Yeah. So it, it can be, you know, of the languages they offer it can be, you know, Spanish, Portuguese, um, Chinese, Italian, whatever, but they have to take a language. And Spanish is one of the most popular ones because New Mexico is one of those states that is um, highly bilingual. Yeah. Um, because it was once a uh, Spanish colony at some point, and there is a very big Hispanic influence. Um, And just because it's uh, of its proximity to Mexico as well. Uh, so Spanish is one of the most popular languages. There are like many sections of Spanish for students to take. So they have to take, I think, at least three semesters of a language in order to graduate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you find there's, there's like any particular groups of people like demographically or that are interested in Spanish? I'm, I'm asking 
let me let me clarify this from this point of view. You get like uh, maybe people born in 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 the U.S. from uh, Anglo-Saxon American parents and all of that. Are they interested in Spanish because they live in Mexico? If 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 that's one of the groups, and also, do you have like people of Latin American uh, heritage? who want to learn the language, but maybe don't know it or don't know it much because they were maybe born or raised from very small in the United States? Yeah, so I found that I have a very diverse group of students. Um, I definitely have people that, you know, have no connection to the Spanish language at all, um, mm -hmm. that are, you know, have very U.S.-based um, connections and very anglo Um, heritage, and I also have people uh, from, you know, other parts of the world, like uh, I have students from Asian heritage or um, like, what's it called? Um, Asia Pacific yeah. heritage, and I have students, I also have students that have that, you know, Hispanic heritage that you talk about, but um, they since they have been raised in the United States, they have um, very little connection to that because either like their parents um, were like this state has also a very interesting connection to that heritage. Um, there are places that um, people are afraid of um, teaching their kids the language or there's been places that for generations there's been an erasure of yeah. the cultural um, heritage of like that Hispanic so even if they have a Hispanic surname like Gonzalez or I don't know Pereira um, it's very common that they don't have the familiarity with the language so they are also learning from the beginning and it's I have a very diverse group of students and it's very like it's been very good to yeah and and what's when you come to teach Spanish like now you have an expectation for for how long has it been I know it's recent but when, when did it begin yeah it's this is gonna be the fourth week four yeah Okay, so it's like the, the beginning, and it's a, I think it's a very interesting moment, maybe to get an idea from you, and maybe talk to you in six months or a year. But my question yeah. now is, when you come to teach Spanish, uh, what do you feel or expect, or maybe you have just a hypothesis of what's going to be like kind of easy and what's going to be like the hardest part? for them to learn so, and for you to teach, which might be the same or, or different. Oof, yeah. So I think the hardest part for me to teach, I guess, or like the hardest part of teaching is just coming up with like activities to get them engaged. Yeah. Um, and like having them participate especially because everything is online. That's something ah, that maybe yeah, I didn't mention. Sign of the times. It's, it's just, um, everything's on Zoom. And we have, you know, we meet on Zoom and we do everything on Zoom. So I explain, you know, grammatical concepts um, for maybe like 20 minutes. 
and then we do activities to like, you know, see if they understood. I, we go through a few examples. I put them in groups, but I have no idea if they're like working or not. Yeah. Or yeah. if they're just like staring at each other. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely the hardest part. Um, for them, I think the hardest part would just be like not having that, especially this semester, like not having that like group, you know, group participation. Yeah, no, group. there's no, yeah. Yeah, like practice. They can't <clears throat> like stay after class and be like, oh, do you want to like, get together and like do work on this homework together and like work on conversation or like try and work on this like assignment together and yeah they don't have they that don't, yeah, yeah well, they don't have at that, least like, not physically maybe digitally if they wanted to but there, yeah. you know there might be uh, another side to it and maybe you can observe it and see what happens but i've heard from mm -hmm. some people and and this is going to be interesting it might either make automatic sense to you or the other way around and say, no way, and we'll see. We'll see in time. That, uh, given the, the, the reality of the internet, that we are connected but distant, meaning that that emotional internal arousal is lower because you are in a place of comfort to you, mostly. Uh, people sometimes tend to be more open, and they might be more open to try to speak. We'll see. Or it, maybe it will show or maybe they will feel it differently. Hmm. So we'll see in time. Uh, I've heard some language teachers also say that. They say like, well, it's interesting. But yeah, we don't have this connection and whatever. But I feel like they are speaking more. So maybe we'll see. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, so people lose yeah. their inhibitions when on the internet. Maybe also the camera. Well, that's a little bit of, of uh, goes a little bit against that. But it might be interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Like it might be because, you know, I told my students that, you know, as long as, you know, they're wearing something, you know, they can be in pajamas, they can be in whatever, like it's. Yeah, also from <laughs> fine. something from the waist up and don't yeah, stand exactly. up. We don't want to know. Yeah. It's like like TV news anchors. Just, exactly. It's like I just, want you dressed you know, up what I see. The rest, exactly. it's like, up to you. And you know, just make sure to turn off your camera if you're going to do something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Double or just move, move away from the frame. <laughs> just... Exactly. And how, so, have they made any interesting questions regarding Spanish? Anything that has that surprised you in any way? They got a... I, we went over ser and estar last week. <laughs> ser so. and estar, the difference. Oh, yeah. That's one interesting yeah. one. So they got a little confused um, um, because I was explaining that, you know, you can use, uh, you need to use, what was it? Um, it was something about, estoy, so one of them say, uh, as if they can say, estoy, muy bajo yeah and i was like that sounds you know i i get why it can sound right yeah but no <laughs> you can't like meaning um, i am very short 
Yes. That's what, it, what this person yeah. wanted to say. Because, yes. yeah, well, then you go into nuances. Well, depends. What are you trying to say? Exactly. Are you saying like, you are low energy right now? Maybe, maybe. So, like yeah, but that's an interesting one because, yeah, since height doesn't change, it might be useful for the basic explanation of Ser Anistar that, of course, there are then a ton of exceptions. And exactly. And that's what I was, I didn't want to get into the ton of exceptions because I only had, you know, a certain amount of time to explain. Yeah. And of course, well, also it's too soon. If you're teaching kids to add one plus one equal to, you don't go into imaginary numbers and irrational numbers because, well, makes no sense. So yeah. they, they'll get there in time. Yeah. And that's why I was like, oh, well, use soy because your height will likely, like most likely not change anytime soon unless you, I don't know, cut off your legs. <laughs> um, yeah, like you say, soy muy bajo. Yeah. So, But, so we'll see yes. how they evolve. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Now, I have a question, sort of a mission for you, but you'll see if that makes sense or not. Do you think it would be possible if you talk to yes. any, some of your students to have like a, this kind of thing, like an episode, one episode with some of them and yourself just to, to get their ideas about the language, their experiences. Uh, and if they are from different cultures, it would be even more interesting. I would need to figure that out. Um, but I, I can ask. Yeah. Well, if you yeah. think that would be interesting, it would be unbelievably interesting. Well, to me, at least individually. Yeah. So if you think that would make sense to them, well, of course, it doesn't have anything to do with the language in terms of what do you know? Say this in Spanish. No, it, it, about what they feel, what they feel, what they know. Even, even sometimes not knowing anything, it's part of the uh, information that helps to form like a picture of, well, yeah, their perception about the Spanish and all of that. So, yeah. I don't know, maybe, and if it serves in any way uh, as a teaching activity, just, well, here I am. It'd be, I, yeah, I'd love I will, it. I think it would be, be lovely. It would be, it would be super fun. Yeah, I'll figure, I'll try to figure that out. Um, yeah, that would be really cool. So, Alejandra Beatriz Acuña Balbuena, thanks so much for being the worthy representative of the heart of South America. Yes, thank you so much for the invitation. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so. So I, I think we need to talk again because, you know, I have an idea that might be fun. I think, I think most people are going to say yes. But when I have enough, enough episodes with people from different countries, I want to, like, put them together. Like, oh. I now want to bring someone from Argentina and someone from Paraguay. And now let's talk culture, stereotypes and all, and language and all that kind of thing. I think it well, yes. maybe it would be fun, be fun, at least for me. <laughs> yes. If it goes south and it turns into something ugly, it will be still very fun, I think. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes, that will be fun. Just, you know, keep me updated. Thanks so much, Alejandra. And if, well, if you want to get in touch in, in all the episodes, I'm going to leave your Twitter handle there oh you yes. know there's something i wanted to ask you i don't want you to go before i ask you this i saw your uh bio or or your your description in the site of the 
uh, of the university of the New Mexico yes. University of New Mexico, and something caught my eye, and it is this: you define yourself or, or your academic interests. There is one that is feminist geography. How would you define yes. that? I, I, what what's what's that approach? Oof, Why geography? Is... What what caught my eye, and I'm sorry if I'm being like ignorant in any sense, is how oh, no, do you no, pair no. the word it's, geography there? It's a pretty, like, I guess, new, relatively new approach to geography because I am um, kind of a geographer in training. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, basically taking a feminist lens or, a, you know, a... Yeah, a feminist lens or making a social justice, um, gender inclusive lens to geographic thought. So historically, geography has been a very, um, yeah, white, um, cis male, discipline that has not included um, women of color particularly yeah. in their um, in the discipline and their research and their thought and their um, contributions and has not considered what those um, like views co could contribute to the bigger like discipline so it's just like taking that lens to see what else um or like see those uh problems or not problems because that's a very you know problem solution approach but like see issues through a lens that lets you analyze them Um, and consider those perspectives from women, from people of color who are usually not considered. So it's just, you know, taking, again, the perspectives of people who are usually not considered. That's basically it. Is yeah. it something you're working on? It's the, um, it's the theoretical, theoretical approach that I'd like to take in my research. Um, that I would like to start, yeah. I guess, soon for my master's project. Um, so it's something that I've been reading on, but that's like my main academic interest, yes. Thanks so much for sharing that. Just give me a second. This is live. Hola, Luli, ¿cómo estás? Pues ahora te veo. Ya voy a ver qué trajiste, ok? Besitos. My daughter. Just came back from buying books for school. She's excited. This is surprising. <laughs> so cute. That's good. All right. So, uh, well, thanks so much, Alejandra. We'll talk again. Yeah, and please, thank you. don't forget your task. Let's see if you if you talk to them and any of them want to take part in like uh, an open conversation about the Spanish or you want to make it part of any uh, teaching activity or just for fun. It will be fantastic, I think.
Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Oh, one question. Uh, do you have like a, like a monster or some kind of ghost you scare little kids in Paraguay with? Like El Coco or I don't know, like a Chupacabras oh, or something like that? Seven. <laughs> Sorry? We have seven mythological, mythological creatures. Seven? Which But one would be scary? Or the scary? scary one that we use or like with kids, it's called um, Yasu Yatere. Oh, can, can you repeat that? That Yasu? sounded so Guarani. It is in Guarani. Okay. Um, it's called Yasu Yatere. Yasu Yatere? Yasu Yatere. Okay, you, yeah, well, you get obviously a different pronunciation there, which is makes it interesting. <laughs> so if I, if I saw that little thing, like racing behind your bed back there, would it say hockey? Yes. All right, so yes. hockey, it's there. I'm seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, Alejandra. Talk soon. Thanks, okay, thanks thank for your you. time. And say hello thank to you. your students. Well, say hola to your students for me. Thank you so much. Oh, gracias. Muchísimas gracias, Alejandra. Dale, gracias a vos. Gracias, gracias. Buen día. Hasta pronto. Dale. Chao, chao. Hasta pronto. Chao. And there you have it. That was Alejandra Acuña, part two, part one in the previous episode. If you want to contact Alejandra for any reason, you'll have her Twitter handle right in the description of the episode. Okay, end of the episode. Fin del episodio. Hasta pronto.